0: Welcome to the Folsom Frenzy Podcast. My name is Jake. I'm here with my co-host Sam and Siraeus. Chase could not join us for this episode, but we're also joined by a very special guest. Stay tuned for the second half of the podcast to hear from Zach Rubisam and his thoughts on the basketball program and the TBT team. But before we chat with Zach, we wanted to talk about the breaking news. We had an emergency podcast uh, for episode 15. Now we have Sorayas joining us, and there's a couple couple of additional news pieces that have came out over the last couple of days, but the big news being CU's headed to the Big 12, and the Big 12 is looking to add one to three teams, so there's some speculation there, and then as well today, there was the big meeting between all the Pac-12 presidents where the alleged media deal, I guess alleged isn't the right word there, but the media <laughs> deal was uh, uh, was announced to them and presented to them. And the rumor is that it's about 20 million per school with Apple. So it's solely streaming. And then there's some upside there of if schools can generate more Apple subscriptions, they'll be compensated for that as well. Um, So I'm I'm sure the PATOL commissioner is pushing that upside and potentially saying we could get to the Big 12 numbers if we hit XYZ subscription goals. But that was the big news from today. Wanted to get your guys' reactions. Seria, so I'm gonna pick on you first, just because we didn't get to you, hear your thoughts of the Big 12 move.
1: All right, where do I start? Oh my goodness, this is this is massive, and that just you know maybe I'll just start with the reaction to the move, right? Because, well, even before that, let's just even talk about this off season. God, this has been insane, right? Oh my god, like since the Utah game last year, it seems like the entire world has flipped around. Yeah. Just, this has just been think one about, of the
0: biggest off seasons in college athletics for any school.
1: Think about where we were, you know, and, and the funny thing is I, I was at the Utah game, right? I just, I just went, I went knowing what was going to happen. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, because at the time the coach prime rumors were kind of starting to kind of start to bubble up a little bit. Like maybe, maybe this is our last game before a brand new era, right? Before a brand new era. And then Prime comes in and instantly there's energy and hope, which we haven't had for football. Even even the 2016 season was just unexpected and to have as much success as they did. And then quickly regressed back to well, maybe slightly better than where they were before, but still regressed back to a five and seven type level for, for many years. So, We haven't had this much hope in so long. And then go through all the hype of, you know, the the well-off media videos and the reach the people media videos. And then we see this, get all the insider perspective as fans on spring ball. And then we have the spring game, which sold out. They actually sold tickets to it. I know I'm sitting here. I feel like I'm doing like an episode of a TV show where they summarize all the stuff that happened before. You have to. I mean,
0: when we had this (laughs) off season, you have to.
1: Yeah. And then we took a hiatus for a while, like all doing our own thing. And then now the big, the the conference realignment news too. And we're realigning to a conference, which is much more, we'll say culturally tied to coach prime's background. Right. We can't, you can't see that as a bad thing just from that perspective, but seismic, and now these same schools that were in, already like oh I can't believe C- people are talking so much about CU because of you know their head coach now they're like oh they, they screwed us over or they're like ah oh, we didn't we didn't actually care that much about them anyways they who what have they done they've just been losers they've lost constantly and oh,
0: yeah. then i think someone said we can get an easy replacement for CU yeah right good luck <laughs> sure
1: uh, <laughs> sure think think whatever you want right so the thing the thing is CU is a certainly a historic college football brand at this point right to the older generation to the coach prime's generation of coaches and fans the CU brand actually meant something that actually meant something they were consistently a top 25 if not a top 10 team between 1988 and 2001 with couple down years in the middle, right? I think New Heisels last year, they vacated a bunch of wins and then Barnett's first couple of years, they're, they're kind of struggled a little bit, but other than that, that was consistently a top 25, if not top 10 team. And that brand probably died with the current generation. And that's where a lot of the fans that you're hearing from now are like, Oh, you know, see you, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're a huge state school that has history. We have, very rambunctious fan base, which we saw last year, even with the Cal game, right? Where we were awful and still got one of the best field stormings ever. And, and now we go back to the big 12, we get our victory lap tour last year with coach. The the drama is amazing. The drama is amazing. And based on what you were just talking about, that, that deal with the streaming subscription services, the, the, the thing is college football on the west coast is not a huge draw usc has a massive national brand and their historic college football team oregon has a massive brand because of nike washington has a great history and they're in a big city but the bay area schools man like i know that cal they had they had a lot of fan support back in the Jeff Tedford, Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch days, Deshaun Jackson, all those guys, but those days have long since passed. That that fan base is moribund. They don't really care, right? What what was what's been left of that that fan base just doesn't care anymore. Do we really think that any of those schools are going to single handedly drive millions and millions of Apple TV subscribers? It seems to me like this was a and people can look at this however they want, but to me, this looks like it's a last nail in the coffin. And it completely validates CU's decision from a business perspective. And think what you will about what we did or didn't do in the Pac-12, but the future is bright for us. And I'm really glad we've been so proactive. It was the perfect off-season for this administration to step up to the plate and say, now we're going to make a commitment. And if they even waited another year, we're probably looking at, uh, relegation really
0: yeah I mean huge kudos to, to Rick George and even Phil DeStefano as much as he gets crap you know I mean he was a big part of getting it done and then also President Solomon but huge 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 kudos to Rick George to hire Coach Prime and to move CU to the Big 12 huge okay. but Trace, okay. so you mentioned a couple of things I want to comment on um, you were talking about the West Coast fan base for college football um just mentioning how like cal for example does not have a great fan base and i think that's that is a huge point of of the move that not a lot of people are bringing up i think one very underrated piece of c moving to the big 12 is the big 12 is filled with schools that are athletics focused athletics first we've seen in the past i.e. when Larry Scott got the offer to get Texas and Oklahoma in the Pac-12 and it got shut down by Pac-12 schools. We've seen areas in the past where presidents have voted no on a lot of athletics-first initiatives, Cal being one of those schools, Stanford being one of those schools. I think Arizona State might have actually voted down the Texas move as well. Don't quote me on that. But I think a very underrated aspect of moving to the Big 12 is you're going to get schools that are going to vote for pro athletics initiatives and also not, not disregarding academics, obviously, but I think that is such an underrated move to go to the big 12. I mean, you take a step back and you want to know how the big 10 and the sec rose to power because their fans care about football. People in Columbus only care about going to the shoe people in Ann Arbor, Michigan. What's the only thing to do, but to pack the big house with a hundred other, a hundred thousand other screaming fans, people in the South, What's the number one thing to them? It's not the NFL. It's college football. football. So that's how those two conferences rose to power. Um, and I love that CU is getting aligned with that. I've seen some posts. You mentioned also CU or the Big 12 being a good cultural fit for Coach Prime. Just wanted to comment on, on the Big 12 being a cultural fit for CU. I've seen some national folks tweet, this is better for CU culturally. And I don't think I agree with that. I think CU... Culturally aligns more with the the Pac-12. You see, I, I believe most of the students that are not from Colorado or from California that go to CU. So I think culturally, CU lines with the Pac-12 a lot better. But I think for athletics and even the history, the Big 12 is the perfect fit for CU. So I just want yeah. to add those those thoughts.
1: Yeah, you know, we all thought we all thought when they made the move in 2011 that the Pac-12 was a better cultural fit. No question, right? Because CU does have a, a lot in common with some of those bigger West Coast, West Coast schools and Boulder does as well. Some, some pretty obvious similarities and that are noticeably different from cities like Waco and Ames and Lubbock and some of these other remaining, Stillwater, some of these other remaining, like people, people like almost uh, put down those other college towns as just truck stops. Boulder is very obviously noticeably not a truck stop right <laughs> like ironically ut's very noticeable yeah <laughs> <laughs> ut you know is in austin austin's definitely not a truck stop either but they've they've left and that's a whole other thing it's probably we get the best of both because one of the reasons we left is also because of ut right because of how much power yeah. Yeah. that disproportionate power that they right. have over the network. Of all the others t- yeah, yeah that was so that was probably a, a totally validated move in that sense. But as far as the cultural fit, um, we CU and CU fans, we kind of thrive from being the black sheep. We love talking smack, and oh, we love, we
0: love the hate. We and, love it.
1: <laughs> and once we were in the Pac-12, like I, part of it is yes, CU was awful right CU is awful no question and there's no historic ties to any of those schools okay yeah that all makes sense even even Utah we hadn't played them played them in like 50 years when we moved to the Pac-12 but there was we missed that just pure arrogance and hatred that CU fans thrive on right like we love being that you know trash talking uh just terrible notoriously bad fans and we couldn't be that anymore in the Pac-12 And it's not just because we were bad it's just because we didn't have that, like, thing. We didn't have that, oh, this is, we're, we live in Boulder. You guys have to go back to your truck stops tomorrow, right?
2: <laughs> and so, yeah. And you, like, have to, you have to go back to L.A.
0: And yeah, and you, studio you, you apartment. Yeah, the fans, they didn't care, right? You're not yeah, going to talk smack to Stanford because they don't yeah. care. So, it's like so a it, or something.
1: it does remain to be seen how like this is going to affect research funding and whatnot. But the thing is like CU has a, has cachet in the research world, right? Whether they're in the SEC or the big 10 or the big 12 or the PAC 12, there's definitely cachet, or like research cachet, right? Like it's at, at some point, maybe even still, is a the number one public university for NASA funding, right? And it, there's massive physics research, investment because they've had multiple Nobel prize winners there, right? It's, it has cachet in that Avenue already. So this move, this investment is for the brand, right? It's for the brand of CU. Like we're going to put ourselves out there and we're going to exist again. We're not just going to sit in the background and be elitist and sit in our ivory tower and think that we're better than everyone else because we're aligned with Cal and Stanford. And, uh, and USC and UCLA. I love it. I think this is a great this is a great cultural fit. We're regionally closer to yeah. most of these schools. And yeah, just because, yeah, there might be a political divide. There may be something of that nature. But we thrive on that. We thrive on <laughs> right. being the black sheep right. and talking yeah. smack because we're different. I love it. I think it's great.
0: It's a great yeah. point.
2: That's what made the Nebraska games feel different, I think. Was you could feel like genuine hatred in your heart for the other team. yeah. You're like, yeah. who cares? Our our defensive lineman may have twisted your quarterback's ankle when he fell on him. Good, <laughs> You should have twisted it more. Like that's what I, like, I don't feel that way now. Okay, now I'm like, oh, that kind of sucked. But in the moment, I was like, good. Like the, I want them to feel pain. I want them to lose. Like it's I don't a care. Real anything. rivalry. <laughs> like like when they like when see knocked out um the Arizona quarterback in the Khalil Tate game, I wasn't like, yeah, we got him. I was like, oh shoot, exactly. That's not good. This this other guy looks fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. and
1: again yeah part of that could be because we were so bad for so long and, and that that'll do it but there's just something it's being the cultural black sheep is something that we thrive on and we got that back now and yeah. i i personally i can't wait to drive 10 hours to go to lubbock and to still like 12 hours to still water i
0: i, I actually can't wait like that's gonna be fun yeah. Hang All quotes, but yeah. I know what you, I know what, what you're about to say. Explain why that's going to be way better than going to the Pac-12. Because the
1: fans care, man. Yep.
0: The yep. fans care. Agreed. Like Agreed. I'm going to get booed at. I'm
1: going to get. I'm going to get stuff Agreed. thrown at me.
0: That's it's gonna be what a full I want, stadium. Man. It's going to yeah. be great. It's like the yeah. people game. people are complaining about. Oh, I don't want to have to go to Waco, Texas. But it's like when you go to a away game, get do off you your high horse. City? Yeah. No, you're there to enjoy a football game. You're going to fly in the Friday night before. You wake up, you tailgate, and then you leave Sunday morning. You're there for the football game. You're
2: not taking a a guided tour of Waco.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a deeper conversation to be had uh, for people who think like that, right? And we're not going to have that here. (laughs) But there's a deeper conversation to be had. I don't believe in elitism, right? I believe in looking at face value, what things have to offer you. And these other places, yeah, like, so I'm a lifelong vegetarian. My whole family's vegetarian. There's probably not a whole lot I can eat. You know, I understand that going into it, but I'm there to go watch a rowdy football game and get stuff thrown at me. Right. Like that's what college football (laughs) is about. Right. That's what it's about. It's about the passion of it. It's not. So like if I want to go to LA, I'll tell you this two years ago, I went to the CU UCLA game at the Rose bowl and that trip was amazing. I had such a good trip because I have a lot of friends out there. I love hanging out in LA. I love the food scene out there. I just love sightseeing. It's a great time. The game itself, which is what I quote, planned the trip around was an afterthought. That was, I just like showed up to the game and it was like, there was like 5,000 fans there who were quiet the whole time. And then I left and went home. That was like a footnote for the trip. So if I want to go to LA, if I want to go to the Bay Area to see family, if I want to go to Portland, and you know spend a weekend in Oregon and check out stuff out there in Seattle I can just go I don't have to go for a college football game yeah that yeah. offers it, honestly it shouldn't even offer me any part of that draw if I want to go to a college football game I want to go to an environment that actually cultivates the best of college football which yeah. is passionate angry rowdy fans
0: I have a, a quick story that, that really paints the picture well. Um, when CU was in the Pac-12 championship game against against Washington, Chase and I somehow got selected to, to do some dancing competition on the field. And when we went on the field, we were chatting with one of the Pac-12 network people, just asking them about like, how did this championship game compare to the others. And they were like, I love it that these two teams are here. Like This is CU's first championship game. But here's the difference. Every previous Pac 12 championship game has been just people in the box seats eating wine and cheese, and the seats have been empty. Why? Because it's been Stanford and USC or, you know, UCLA or whatever. Probably not UCLA, but <laughs> it's just wine and cheese fans. Big 12 does not have that. That's for sure. So I think that is definitely huge, huge, huge. Uh, people- an awesome thing about the Big 12.
1: To make a final point about this, people have that perception about Boulder, and there are certain segments of our fan base that are like that, but I tell you what, a wine and cheese crowd would not have an entire student section kicked out in a game, right, which is what happened in the 2005 game against Nebraska. The entire student section, or at least two sections of it, got kicked out of the stadium, right, a wine and cheese crowd would not chant and cheer some of the things that we do, right. A wine and cheese crowd would not tear down the goalposts after winning a big game and carried up to the Hill. A wine and cheese crowd would not burn couches, right? These are all things that actually have this from batteries. Yeah. Yeah. The bar, the, exactly. The battery filled marsh. That's not, we're not. So there's a segment of our fan base that's like that. Right. But in its deep underlying core, we're not wine and cheese fans, right? If we were wine and cheese fans, there wouldn't have been a soul at that Cal game last year. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because
1: why? Why would you go? It's a completely wasted season. You just fired your coach, and they stayed till the end, man. It's not Parents' Weekend or whatever. They stayed till the end, and they stormed the field over a win that we probably shouldn't have had. Right,
2: yeah. and even like going back, like, this is a game that no one really talks about. The the fan support of the Texas A and M Texas A and M game at um and Power Field or whatever was insane. It was like, amazing. Like the stuff that CU fans were throwing, like, we were just throwing, not we, not me, other people. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Most of, the, most of the student section was just, like, throwing like throwing beers, throwing everything, and the Texas a fans didn't know what was going on. They just, like, had their mouths open. They're like, what are they doing? And it was like, we're not Wine
1: and Cheese fans. We're, we're well,
0: This is your one. I can't wait. We're coming I can't back. wait.
1: The, the, the jerks are back, man. Like, uh, uh, and, and the thing is, people... Like Big Twelve fans that remember what it was like having CU in the Big Twelve hate CU, right? It's not just it's not just Nebraska, right? It was notorious. Like CU fans are notoriously rowdy and good. Like now we're in a conference that's going to foster that. We're bringing it back, man. I remember, I remember what games were like my freshman, sophomore, and junior years, like back in two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Those teams weren't good, but they were nuts. They're absolutely insane. And we're, yeah, yeah, we got those, we got it back, man. I, I really can't wait. Um, I do wish, I do wish that we still had our former big eight rivals, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma. That is one thing that does suck. We don't get to keep the historic rivalries, which means so much, right? The 2007 Oklahoma win was amazing, right? That was probably one of the, one of the last great big 12 memories that we had um and yeah the Missouri's infamous right because that was the fifth down game uh, way back in the day and and then uh yeah Nebraska is Nebraska you know and I'm glad we still play them non-conference but that is one thing that I'm gonna miss for sure is the 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 three historic rivals
0: yeah Nebraska come back to the big 12 but, uh... <laughs> Well, I think you mentioned that this is a good move for CU just to build the brand, which I completely agree with. I think another thing that we need to note is this is a great move for CU. And I think this is why, one of the reasons why Rick did it is he's thinking he's playing chess and not checkers. This isn't the next five years. He's thinking where can CU be best positioned to make another move, a potential next move six years from now when that big 12 media deal goes up. And if, if college football's going the way that we, we all see it going and that there's going to be two power conferences, the SEC and the big 10, Rick George thinking, what can position CU to be in the best spot when there's that second big realignment? Cause that's going to be the one that matters. It's not this one, right? If CU stayed in the big pack 12, you know, spirit would be kind of a down and out conference, but it's not that big of a drop off to the big 12. We'll see how many teams they'll lose. I want to caveat that, but, Really, it's going to be that next phase of realignment that's going to be critical. And I think another huge piece that people are not mentioning enough is the college football playoff expands after this year. That easily makes a spot for one or two. Well, I, one's guaranteed, right? One one Big 12 team's guaranteed as the mm-hmm. champion. So one, maybe two teams in the college football playoff. And I don't know about you guys, but the Big 12 is wide open. Previously... Reese Davis was actually saying this on his podcast, but CU's kind of always been second fiddle. You know, back in the day, they were second fiddle to Nebraska. And then later on, they were second fiddle to Oklahoma and Texas. And in the Pac-12, they weren't the premier team. I mean, just to be <laughs> the second fiddle to everybody. Big 12 <laughs> is title. wide open. And if and with Dion Sanders as your head coach, and you're bringing in the best corners in the nation, you have Shadur Sanders as your quarterback. You have the top transfer class in the nation. We're coming, baby. The Pac twelve could be CUs. And that the Big Twelve. Pac twelve this year. The Big Twelve could be CUs. <laughs> and whoever's at the top of the Big Twelve might get an invite to the Big Ten or the SEC. Whoever it is. But I, I think that's just an underrated aspect to all of this is, is I think Rick George is thinking six years ahead. I yeah. The only thing that I Absolutely hate
2: with this move, and it's really, really been a sticking point in my brain. Is that we move to the only other conference that still has an Alamo Bowl invite? <laughs> <laughs> I never want to see the Alamo no Bowl more ever Alamo Bowl. again. If no, more in, if Alamo we come Bowl. in second place again and have to go to the freaking Alamo Bowl and get freaking spanked again, like a, by a billion points, I am, don't know what I'm gonna do.
0: We'll just have to spank Oklahoma State before we get there just for our revenge <laughs> tour. Please, any <laughs> other bowl. I really want I
2: want to do the San Diego Poinsettia Credit Union bowl.
1: Oh, that'd be great. Just yeah, that, I don't wanna I don't want to do the Alamo Bowl ever again. That that would be I, I totally agree with you. That is definitely a major concern and maybe we should consider moving to the ACC now.
0: So to transition us slightly. <laughs> <laughs> So, the Big 12 is in the hunt for one to three schools. Again, the PAC 12 media deal was released to the presidents today. There's a lot of smoke around Arizona. There's some smoke around Yukon if the Big 12 doesn't get any uh, PAC 12 schools. Then there's also smoke with Washington and Oregon, and then also with the other uh, four corner schools, so ASU and Utah. But it seems like Utah has been very stubborn. But wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Who's who's at the top of your wish list for the Big 12 to add, um, and we could take it like a risk-rated a, approach, um, and and maybe just pick realistic schools, or you can totally pick unrealistic schools. What's what's at the top of your wish list? Um, for me to start, just looking at the options, I don't want UConn. I know they're a historic basketball school; they're arguably a blue blood. I would say they're they a just won blood. the national
1: championship, so yeah.
0: Yeah, well, not even this time. They, they've they historically won. How many national championships have they won? I think it's four
1: like, since 2004. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're 2004.
0: Blood, but yeah. Arizona, I would not call them a blue blood for basketball. Um, Even though UConn is a great basketball school, they don't have a great football program. They just built new facilities, I believe. So there's they, that component as well. And they but were kind I of not,
1: rejuvenated last year with Mora. Right. So they finally made it back to a bowl game for the first time in who knows how long. So maybe they're on the up.
0: But I'm not a huge fan of UConn. I know Brett Yormark is a huge fan because he's from New York. And honestly, I get the appeal of UConn because in New York, there's more people from Connecticut than New Jersey and more people that care about Connecticut because a lot of them live there and commute into the city. So you get a huge New York fan base in UConn. But personally, I like Arizona in terms of the realistic schools. Uh, because it fits the Big 12 basketball mold well, and they have a decent football program. Jed Fish was trying to get them revamped a bit. So I personally like Arizona. I obviously like Washington and Oregon the most. But what are your guys' thoughts?
1: I so I, I agree Arizona is a good pick, but I really hope it's Utah. Right? I hope Utah comes to the senses and they come with us to the Big 12 because they get the holy war back right? You get Utah BYU, which is one of the, if not the best college football rivalry ever. It's so, we're talking about how it's, it's goes beyond football, right? Like it's personal. It goes like, it it goes to a level of being personal. That's like offensive, like painfully offensive. I want that rivalry back. And I know Utah fans think they're too good for it, which is hilarious. Um, But I hope that that comes back and then we can be the third wheel and kind of like be rivals with both of them and have a mountain States rivalry. And the other reason why it'd be good to have Utah is because their fan base is more passionate for football than Arizona, right? They have a consistent football presence and that, you know, with with CU as long as CU is not horrible, we would probably fit more of that mold than Arizona and culturally, like in terms of passionate schools and in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. Although, yeah, no one would consider the Denver metro area middle of nowhere now, but it used to be. Um, they would fit right in in that sense. But they're going to have to come off their high horse. It's, it really seems like they had the inside track to joining the Big 12, but they kind of thought they were too good for it and blew them off, possibly because of their rivalry with BYU, which is how toxic that rivalry is. Uh, but I hope
2: they come to their senses, yeah I think I think for me, like something that I worry about with us the new conference, which is like losing losing like the the prestige of being in a conference with like schools like Stanford and Cal, and kind of look that 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 has, and also like so you gotta put that into consideration when you're trying to think of a new school and also like a school that's arguably was the best school for football in this state, um so maybe like school of Minds school of minds. Yeah, the, the best, the, the the best performing football team last year in State Colorado. True. Um, No, honestly, I think I think Arizona is the most likely and I think the one to be most successful. I think you got, you know, you have retirement communities down there. It's probably full of people that would love to go see their team play there and people can go travel to there and watch it. Um, I would love to have Utah, but I don't know basketball, like the Big 12 is a big basketball program too, like a big basketball We need to bring has. some
1: lower basketball programs, and Utah has a pretty decent history They actually lost in the national championship game to Arizona last time Arizona won the championship So they have some history being good, but that said, it would make sense for the Big 12 to not just be a complete uh, self, you know defeating conference where every single school just destroys itself kind of like the Pac-12 in football Mm -hmm. last year right where it's just every team was beating the crap out of every other team there's no one that could emerge but maybe that's better in basketball because then it's more dependent on like conference RPI and that type of thing so yeah
2: but I don't I don't I don't know if they're gonna want to take a school from the west coast like I don't know if they want their best teams playing at whatever Pac-12 after dark like I think they don't want an Oregon. They don't want to watch in that badly because of those TV times. Like even if it's a good game on the West Coast, it starts late. People don't watch it. People don't care. Like if if you're watching, I don't know, Kansas play Oregon in basketball at midnight in Kansas or midnight in, I don't know, wherever these other schools are. And UCF is on somewhere. the East
0: Coast, right? Yeah. So.
2: If you watch, if you if you're a UCF <laughs> fan, you're watching UCF play at Oregon, like at.
0: West, West tip, first tip at
1: midnight, you know. First tip yeah.
0: in is also east coast. Ooh, so there's yeah. three schools right there, but I don't see them
2: going out of the rocky out of the mountain time zone because it doesn't matter how good they are,
0: people aren't going to stay up and watch. I, I think the- I saw a quote of Brett Yormark saying he did want to get all the time zones. Yeah. Um, so I keep going Arizona.
1: During football season, because Arizona already doesn't do they, they already yes. don't do uh, the daylight savings time. It is technically exactly Pacific, Pacific time.
2: Yep. Yeah, nobody will know when Arizona plays. <laughs> it's
0: too confusing. What do you guys think about the Big Twelve going after basketball? I think, I think they're they're pretty blatantly trying to trying to be the prestigious basketball conference, and I think it's coming from a place of again they see the future. Of conferences consolidating. And if you have the best basketball teams in your conference, you're always gonna have a, a voice at the table. Yep. But what do you what do you guys think about Big 12 going after hoops? I mean that's that's why they're going after UConn. Uh that's why Memphis, I think, has been thrown out in, in conversations. What do you guys think about that strategy?
1: I know any- yeah, I know that um football's the big moneymaker, but I think some people have forgotten how exciting and passionate college basketball and college basketball fans get. I think it's great. Um, It's usually a really good thing to hang your hat as a conference and saying, we're the best, the premier thing at something that's that's notable, right? And now the irony is the Pac-12, their thing was, we're a bunch of academic research schools.
2: We're the conference their, of champions.
1: Yeah, they're conference of champions. <laughs> like they win all the non-revenue sports. Yeah, if, if that's what you hang your hat on, Pac-12 is super successful, right? So kudos to them for doing that.
2: But you won at fencing. <laughs> yeah,
1: but but in, in a world where you're you know fighting for survival for smaller and smaller pieces of pie that are left over, um, it makes a great deal of sense to have a major if it's not the premier revenue sport but a premier revenue sport being high up on the list
0: yeah and and i have to jump in there really quick the pieces of the pie are definitely getting smaller like we're seeing disney looking at selling off abc and potentially espn that's totally true
1: game changer right and <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Apple's going to end up buying all of these companies yeah, and then the Pac-12 yeah. media deal is the best, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we joke, but, but that is possible. Right?
0: But Larry Scott pitched the same vision with the Pac-12 network. Hey, we're going to get this many viewers. We're going to hit these benchmarks. And they didn't hit them. Not same close. thing is happening with with Apple. Hey, we're going to hit all these benchmarks and we're going to surpass the big 12 revenue revenue share per year. I don't know. Will will the president's buy it again a second time around?
1: I saw someone tweet this earlier today, which is instead of just looking at what are the biggest media markets, do we need to look at what are the biggest media markets for college football? Yeah. Right. And LA was a big one. So losing that from the PAC 12 was devastating, but you can't convince me after I've spent a lot of time in the Bay area, that is just not college football. They don't care. They don't give a crap. So, so when uh, Bama and Clemson played in the the national championship game, I think this was in uh, January of 2019. Um, that game was at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, and. So at the time I was working in uh, near Santa Barbara and it wasn't a, it wasn't a far drive up. And I have, I have some coworkers that went to Alabama. I was like, Hey, you want to go, you want to go? We ended up not going, but that was an option. The tickets were like 50 bucks. It was like, it would have been cheaper. It it, would have been more expensive for us to like go to a Lakers regular season game when they were bad than to drive to Santa Clara and go see a national championship game between Alabama and Clemson. That is that that's, that's tells you all you need to know about the Bay area and college football, right? They don't, they don't care. They really truly don't care about it at all. So don't tell me about media markets and how it's important to grab giant, you know, metropolitan areas when the culture of a particular metropolitan area is to not actually pay attention or care about that thing that you're trying to get out of them that's the Pac-12 right there right that is the Pac-12 in a nutshell so yeah we're now now our college football markets uh include Dallas right Dallas is huge Dallas is a huge center for this and now we got Cincinnati right so Cincinnati being power five maybe they're going to get a bigger presence in the in the the greater, you know, Columbus and other areas, like maybe they'll get a piece of the pie of it, right? Maybe I'm sitting here making stuff up too. I don't know. But it seems to me, even though we're not grabbing the largest population centers, that we're still maximizing our media markets based on how passionate they are for the actual game.
0: Yeah. One, one other thought I wanted to, to mention while I'm thinking of it, is I think this move greatly increases our chances of retaining Coach Prime for a longer period of time because he's going to have multiple trips to Texas. Um, granted, I guess TCU is the only school in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Um, we have Houston, which is close, and Baylor is kind of close, not really. <laughs>
1: uh, but, yeah, but, uh, Waco and Lubbock are way just out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you have a uh, UCF, which has the Florida recruiting pipeline. So just wanted to add, this is a great move to keep, keep coach prime. Now I don't think he had a big say in the move. I don't, I think he's definitely for it because he gets to again, open up the Texas and Florida pipelines, but just looking at it from that perspective, I think it's, it's awesome as well. Just wanted to note that.
1: God, I'm just excited for games now that the, 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 po- God, the possibilities are so crazy, you know, I don't want to. Well, we had Jaques on, right? So I want to maintain Jaques's confidence. Like we're gonna just win them all. And those <laughs> first five games, those first five games. Just, just imagine a scenario, dude. Imagine a scenario where we go to go to Fort Worth and beat TCU in Coach Prime's homecoming to Dallas, where he spent some great years in the NFL and post NFL years. Come home.
0: Wait, but before that, after Coach Prime almost lost his legs, after you yes. moved to the Big Twelve, after everyone said Coach Prime couldn't do it, and everyone on the team played at Jackson State, and the the talent level is not the same, so Travis Hunter's going to suck and Shador's going to suck. No one so is much paid to... yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so much adversity. Yeah, yeah. This offseason, season, then you go into Fort Worth, you get that win. Sorry, Strayus, pick it up. Yeah. From there. Oh, let's keep going, right?
1: So we come back and then. Nebraska, longtime hated rival, with a brand new coach, they're trying. They're thinking that they're going to do the same thing that we did to them when Scott Frost showed up, and knock us off in our own stadium. And there are going to be a lot of Nebraska fans there. We already know that, but you know, still, it's our home. It's our homecoming for for Coach Prime. Follow that up with.
0: But imagine if we win that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then follow that up with the, the, the in-state, you know, in-state rivalry game that we haven't played in many years, and and they're going to be juiced for it because they haven't played us in so many years, and they hear all the media this, media that. Hopefully, coming in two and zero, right? <laughs> and then uh, I think after that, it's USC at home, right? So after CSU, I think we play USC at home, which is we're both leaving the conference. We've mm-hmm. never beaten USC ever. It's our last chance unless we play them in a bowl game because i don't think we we're going to schedule them anytime soon to beat them and then at oregon where dan lanning just made those comments about cu leaving oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. could you imagine could you yeah. imagine how hype 5 and O would be oh my god <laughs> I, <laughs> I may not be able to watch college football anymore
0: after
1: that i may have to be like i'm done i'm done i can't do this anymore it can't get any better
0: uh, uh, you know,
1: just from the sh- just from the the sheer joy of of that, you know, <laughs> that's what it's all about. I- I'm so excited for us, right? And we're still playing with house money as fans because we all we're we we're all here last year, right? We're all here last like 15 plus years, you know. We know, we know how bad. So, can we? Really, be I mean, yeah. So I know the expectations are kind of high, but man, it's we're playing with house money, and the the ceiling is infinite. I am so f- pumped! Oh the my god! Is,
2: the ceiling is the roof, as the great Michael Jordan once said.
1: The ceiling is the roof, and the roof is the sky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it! It's it's a very exciting time to be a CU fan. Very exciting. So with that, we're gonna switch it off to our interview with Zach. We're just going to take it from here. Zach Rubisam joins us. He is the director of player development at CU uh, for the basketball team. Uh, Previously, before he was the director of player development at CU, he was a student manager of the program from 2012 to 2016. And then after that, he jumped to uh, the University of Denver uh, under uh, former CU coach Rodney Billups to be a part of that program. And after that, he was an assistant coach at Belmont Abbey from 2019 to 2021, prior to coming to CU. But Zach, we're really excited to have us, have you join us. Welcome to the podcast.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm a big fan of the pod and appreciate what you guys do, talking about Colorado basketball, Colorado football, and Colorado athletics in general. So uh, happy to be here. Looking forward to talking with you guys.
0: So, Ace, you want to kick us off?
3: Sure yeah so obviously
1: I got my camera issues right now but you can hear me right so (laughs) usually we kick off these interviews or these discussions as we like to call it with our with our guests by just getting a read on what your journey was how you ended up at CU how are you involved with CU so we've had some former players on like their journey through
3: high school so what was your journey to CU? Yeah um you know, first, I'll say I wouldn't be back here talking to you guys if it wasn't for me attending to you. I was a, a good high school basketball player. Um, you know, I'm five foot 10. I think I quickly realized that I wasn't going to go to the NBA, but have loved hoops with a three sport athlete in high school in Bertha, Colorado, so about 30 minutes north. But it was about my senior year of high school that I was like, you know, I'm getting recruited at the D2, low D2, D3, NAIA level, which would be great. It's a blessing to go play at any level of college, but you know, I want to go coach eventually. So had a family friend that got me um that actually grew up with Coach Boyle. Um and CU was my dream school. I was a buff ever since I was a little kid. I watched CU Nebraska, um the 62 uh to 26 game. I've watched all that. I've lived through all that. So I was always a buff. So going to CU it was the only big school I applied to. And um I got on to be a student manager. For Coach Boyle was volunteer my freshman year. And then I guess showed Coach Boyle enough that he promoted me the head manager for the next three years. And uh going to see you, like I said, was the best decision I ever made. Um, it's really, really cool now and full circle for me because obviously Coach Boyle still the head coach. Mike Rones, the associate head coach, Bill Carton um is there. Those guys were all three there when I was in college, and then Bill Greer, who I have a great relationship after I graduated. So Um, The family aspect of CU is real and I'm blessed to be a part of it again.
0: Yeah. uh, Can you talk about how you became the head manager? Is that, is that, was that your sophomore year? Is that pretty rare?
3: Uh, I, well, we have a great head manager right now, CJ Armitage, who's he'll be in his third year as well. So I don't know how rare it is, but for me, I was, I guess it was rare at that time because I came in with a lot of older guys. My freshman year, we had a lot of juniors and seniors Um, and then my sophomore year, we still had a lot of, you know, three or four juniors and seniors and coach Boyle went with me as the head manager. So I guess I did something right my senior year. He knew I was all in for it, but it was a blessing because with the student manager position and a lot has changed now in the last, you know, 10 years since I was a freshman and sophomore in college, but, um, you know, a lot of it wasn't paid. Like I was volunteer all of my freshman year and then it turned into almost like a work study program, which is the greatest college job of all time. Like you go to practice, you get to build relationships with the guys and then you get to travel. And um, so I was really blessed to be able to do it for three years as the head manager and um, props to Coach Boyle. And thank you. I'm so grateful to him that he gave me that opportunity.
2: Yeah. So I was wondering, like, what's the process to like becoming a student manager? like, what, what would be like a key trait to like a, being a really good student manager? Like what separates you from just the average one?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, now it's way different to get in as we have a lot more demand of guys that want to be managers, guys and gals that want to be managers as compared to when I was in a company. Like for me, it was, you got to find a, try to have a connection. And I was blessed to have a family connection from back here in Berthet, um that connected me with Tad Boyle. But it's a selfless job. The best way I kind of, you know, uh, explain being a manager is you do everything behind the scenes so that the players can play and the coaches can coach. So what, whatever that may be, and your job may change six times in the day, but it's getting in the gym with the guys. It's getting in the office, doing mail outs for recruiting and everything that you could imagine that goes into college basketball. Like it's the best way to prepare to be a coach because you see every different aspect added at a young age and even that has changed now for us like now we're blessed to have three graduate assistants that can do a lot of stuff but our managers are still so crucial to our program
0: so I'm curious what what brought you back to CU after taking a stand at DU and and Belmont Abbey what what brought you back to CU did Tad give you a call and say hey we have this opening um for player development or what was that process like
3: Yeah. Um, You know, again, I've been very fortunate. I think that's a word that I've been saying a lot, but I've been very fortunate because when I was graduating, Rodney got the job at DU and I was fortunate enough that he brought me with him to DU in three years. And then when I was at DU, Dan Ficke, who was an assistant on our staff, got the job at Belmont Abbey and taking the jump to Belmont Abbey, even though it's division two, I got to recruit and be on the road and get that experience. And I will say division two basketball does not get enough love and praise as it should because the skill level of division two basketball players are the exact same as division one basketball players. The major difference is here at CU, especially it's a different stratosphere. We're dealing with six, 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 seven, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten, seven foot. At you know, Belmont Abbey, our center was six foot seven. So the size and speed is different, but the skill level is the exact same. But you know, to answer your question when the job was coming open. I'd been at Beaumont Abbey for two years. Loved my time at Beaumont Abbey. I'd still be with Dan Ficke if I wasn't here at CU, but I have a great relationship with Nate Tomlinson. Um, actually coached TBT with him in 2019. So I'm close with Nate. We've built a really good relationship, even though we didn't cross over at CU and uh, Nate kind of told me that, you know, he was going to go with Kim. Kim was getting this job at George Mason and Nate was going to take him as an, as an assistant and, when Nate kind of, kind of gave me that go ahead and that, um, you know, step ahead of everybody else, I started hitting up coach right away. And um, it was a long process. I think um, for lack of a better term, I was the one that outlasted everybody else to get the job, but everything works out how it's supposed to. So.
0: Love it. So shifting gears a bit, I know when we first invited you on, it was to talk about mainly about the TBT team, but yeah. since then we had the, had the breaking news of the Buffs, are headed to the Big 12. So we want to get your thoughts around that, Um, especially from a a basketball perspective. I think arguably the Big 12 is the best basketball conference in the country, and potentially with adding UConn or Arizona, that could be solidified even further. But just to read a tweet really quick from from John Rothenstein, um, he gave a stat out for the average number of quad one games, wins per team last season for each power conference. Big 12 was at the top for 21 wins. Pac-12 was at the bottom for 9.3 wins. Second place was the Big 10 at 14. So the Big 12 is by far and away, and that was just last year, and I think adding CU will definitely make the conference a lot better from a, a basketball perspective. But just wanted to get your overall thoughts. Um, are you excited about going to the Big 12, or, yeah, what, what is your overall reaction?
3: Yeah, I think everyone's excited for sure. Um, I know Coach Boyle said this, and I think it's – a fair statement. I know when we went to the Pac 12, shoot, 12 years ago, however long it's been now, he said, you have a good conference in 12. Hopefully, I didn't lose you guys. Did I lose you guys? We can, st- I can still hear you. I don't know where Jake is. Okay, I'm
0: still here.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: <laughs> are there any teams that like you are looking forward to playing? Obviously, you want to play and beat everybody. Is there any like staple school that you, in the Big 12, you're like, oh, I want to play them? Because like me and I mean, a couple of the guys we went out to see, see you play at. Kansas. And it was just the craziest basketball environment we've ever been in outside of Boulder. Um, So is there anything that you're looking forward to in that regard?
3: I mean, the one that jumps off is Allen Fieldhouse, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's the staple of the big 12. It's Kansas. It's a blue blood. I mean, that's the one that jumps off at the top, but you have great venues throughout the big 12. You have Texas tech, you have TCU, you have Baylor. That's won a national championship, Oklahoma state. Kansas State, like, the basketball in the Big 12 is a gauntlet. And, you know, Jake, you spit off some of those stats, and I think that's true year after year. So, you know, I think we're ready for it. We have a lot of work to do to um, get prepared for it, but I think everyone's excited going into it. So in going with that, are there any teams –
1: that you're going to miss playing in the Pac-12? Are there any peculiarities with the Pac-12 that you're going to miss?
3: Yeah, I mean, I we don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, we'll see what happens with Arizona. I love the Arizona trip. Like, playing in McHale is – it's not Allen Fieldhouse, but it's up there. And then the L.A. trip was always special. Like, you don't get to play in Poly that much. So the history of Polly, the L.A. trip, the weather, like – those trips, missing those trips will be different, but I think, you know, going back to our roots of what CU is, I think uh the big 12 move is a great move and Rick George did a great job with it.
0: So, so you mentioned KU. Do you think Tad's excited to go back and play him every year, just being a KU alum? And then you have the history with beating him with this Gia Booker buzzer beater. <laughs> um I believe you were the manager of the team then, right?
3: I was. Yeah, I was there. That was my, That was my sophomore year. That was uh, was before Spence got hurt. Yeah, that was was my favorite night of college of all time. Mine too. too. My favorite night of college of all time. Um, I don't. To answer that, I haven't actually talked to Coach about if he's excited to go back and play Ku. I know um, he loves that place, and if if you haven't gone to Ku, I don't know if you quite understand what Ku is. It's kind of like CU. Like if you haven't gone to CU, kind kind of don't understand like what CU is about, and like all the ins and outs of it. I think it's the same with KU, but um, I think he's looking forward to the challenge more than anything.
2: We mentioned um, Arizona a bit earlier, and I just had to ask, was Sabatino Chen's shot good?
3: I actually wasn't on that trip, but (laughs) I had the replay. It was definitely good. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Sab will still say to this day that it was good, so – (laughs)
0: Okay. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a wrong answer to that question so <laughs> I, I didn't get that
3: it's we still, got it on video that. Scott still gets brought up like josh Scott at my wedding and still brings up that shot like we talk about that <laughs> shot all the time so it's been what like 12 11 12 years it's crazy <laughs> oh yeah that's that's a
0: staple on twitter too justice that for that.
3: sab justice for <laughs> sab
0: yep love it um Zach, so kind of shifting gears a little bit, looking ahead to the Big 12, um, are there any schools specifically you'd like to see the Big 12 add? Again, not getting into like rumors, but if you were to have a pipe dream of adding, you know, some of the names that are floated around are Oregon, Washington, Arizona, UConn, Memphis is another one, SMU. Are there any schools that jump off the page that you would love to see in the same conference as CU? You can't say Belmont Abbey.
3: (laughs) Well... You know, I think – I know we're not going along with the rumors, but I think the four-corner schools make so much sense because if you're getting – and, I it's, again, it's way over my pay grade. It's way over my head. I found out stuff on Twitter just like everybody else does. But, like, if you're going to get those, like, 16 teams, you can have an east and a west and having uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, BYU, Colorado, and then throw in a combination of, you know, a Texas Tech. Some of the Texas schools or the Kansas schools. I think that's a good mix of uh, – a a Big 12 West if you will and um I don't know we'll see what happens. I hope Arizona comes cuz like I said selfishly I love going in the kale and playing in that environment and um Arizona, Kansas, Colorado, Kansas State in the same potential basketball division is exciting. Definitely agree with you there. But we do have another season the Pac
1: 12 here. So and we have a very hyped, very exciting season ahead with just an incredible recruiting class and a lot of returning stars from last year. So we just want to get your take. What are you looking forward to most coming into this last season of the PAC 12?
3: Yeah. I mean, I think we have a very experienced team coming back with a good mix of new pieces. So the thing I'm looking forward to most is getting these guys back on campus here at the end of August when school starts and getting to work and kind of blending all of these different pieces together from the experience of Tristan Da Silva to the explosives Nifts and now experience of KJ Simpson and a Julian Hammond and a Luke O'Brien, pairing that with Cody Williams and Asan Diop. And then you throw an Eddie Lambkin in the mix. So, you know, it's a very, very, very exciting time for the Buffaloes and an exciting time to be going into the Pac-12 that is going to be competitive, but is going to be a different league than in years past, I think.
2: Yeah, and I feel like this is a new experience for a lot of CU fans with, like, the highly talented recruiting class we have, especially with Cody Williams. Like, what can you tell us about, like, watching him so far, um, about, like, what we could maybe expect to see from him this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the million dollar, that's a hard question for me to answer because he hasn't He's still a 17 year old kid. And I think that's, that's not a knock on him. Like, I think that's just something that all fans of every program and especially us CU fans have to understand is like, Cody is uber talented, is going to have a great career. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be at CU. I don't know how long he's going to hopefully be in the NBA. We have to remember in November and right now he's still a 17 year old kid that hasn't experienced any of it. So To put a number on it, there's no way I can put a number on it, but I think what CU fans have to look out for is from November 6th when we open to the end of the year, however the season goes, let's see how good and how much Cody improves from day one where you guys see him to the end of the year. I think you're going to see a fast improvement because he's that kid and he's so coachable and can do some things that you can't coach. But he's going to have to figure it out. He's going to have some ugly moments, I think, early and then figure it out. And he's going to really grow throughout the season. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect on number-wise. I can't put a number on it, but I know he's a great kid. He works his tail off and comes from a great family. And we're happy to have him at CU.
0: Mm-hmm. What about some of the other freshmen? What can what can fans look forward to with, like, Assan Diop, Courtney Anderson Jr., um, yeah, and some of the other freshmen?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, starting with Courtney, Courtney um, really, really impressed me this summer. He's still 17 years old, so he's a young, young kid. He won't turn 18. Sorry, Courtney, I don't know your birthday off the top of my head, but I know it's after school starts. So he won't turn 18 till after school starts, but Courtney really shot it well this summer. Like, he plays at a great pace for a young freshman. You know, sometimes when freshmen get to college, you have to teach them how to play fast. They've never really practiced at game speed. They've never done some of that stuff. Courtney came in practicing at game speed. The shooting drills we do, he's moving from point A to point B at 100%, getting shots off at of game speed, and then really shot it well this summer. Um, so again, he's 17 years old. He's going to have growing pains, but I think Courtney is going to have a great career at CU. I can't tell you what he's going to do this next year, but his future's bright. And then Asan Diop is like, he's a mold of clay that is just going to continue to like grow and flourish before our eyes. Like this kid has, he's the craziest story. The nicest kid of all time works his tail off. He's actually the only kid still right here right now from our team, besides like Luke O'Brien and Julian that are local guys, um, because he has to take two classes as an international kid. So he's here working out on his own, getting in the weight room and he's just the kid that loves it. So Again, I can't speak to the role that he's going to have, but Assan Diop is going to be a force at some point in his college career because of the character he has, because of his work ethic, and because of everything he does right. Like All that matters to Assan is going to class and then going to practice and shooting and lifting. So great kid, great head on his shoulders. I think we have a bright future with all three of those kids. And then I got to include the last one in there too, got Dak, the late signee scratching 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 the surface like you may guys may not see a lot from him this year but you may see who knows what's going to happen this year but in two years down the road bd is going to be a beast like everyone wanted him next year we're lucky to have him this year instead of him going to sunrise christian so all four of our freshmen like i don't know what their role will be this year i don't know what it'll look like but they have a bright bright future ahead of them uh zach you got me
0: fired up (laughs) <laughs> I think with, with college basketball, especially you need those, the selfless players. I mean, you saw with the Denver nuggets, right. And just hearing that answer, it just really gets me, gets me fired up for the season. And we're going to put the PAC 12 on alert. You know, the first year we came in, we won the championship in the tournament. Why don't we do it in the last year as well? <laughs> yeah, No pressure. Yeah. I just have a quick
2: question, building up, building off of like what you're saying about having all those young kids with all the talent and, make making sure there's like a place for them to flourish like this is something that i, I feel like tad Boyle's has done a great job with over the years with these yeah. kids building in like the, the found the foundations of basketball with like defense yeah. and rebounding yeah. like, those are the two biggest things how how have you seen him do that in your role as a student manager and how do you kind of continue to do that to build those foundations to make them like make these players reach their retent- potential or allow them to
3: yeah. I mean, I think first of all, if you don't buy in into defensive rebounding, you don't play like, it's as simple as that. Like, and it takes some guys a little bit longer to figure out than others, but like, that's what we do. We defend and we rebound and we have a chance in every game we play because we do those two things. So I think that's a non-negotiable that coach has. And like, it's part of my coaching philosophy being around Tad and like if you defend and rebound, you have a shot in every game you play. So I think as you come in as a freshman, no matter who it is, no matter if it's Spencer Dinwiddie, no matter if it's Cia Booker, whoever it is, you know, coming up to Josh Scott, like you figure out pretty quickly, like if I want to get on the court, I got to defend and rebound. Um, And then the offensive game will just come. I think all four of these freshmen that we're talking about have the capability to defend and rebound at a high level and guard multiple positions and impact the game in that way. And the offensive game for a lot of these younger guys – is a little bit slower coming, right? Like, you don't see these guys break out, really becoming polished like a Tristan Da Silva until his really, you know, sophomore, junior year. And then now as a senior year, like, Tristan is super polished, and that was exactly what he's looking for. He plays with great pace. and um, But he bought into the defensive rebound in his freshman year, and that's how he got on the court with the with the team of McKinley and Deshaun and Jariah and Dallas and Evan. Like, if Tristan wasn't going to defend and rebound, he wasn't going to play that year. So he figured it out early, and now it's paying off as he went through his as a uh, college career.
1: Now, sticking with the theme of defense and rebounding. Yeah, I know a lot of CU fans were very, very excited about the TCU transfer Eddie Lampkin. What yep. What do you think we have to expect from Eddie this year? Uh, how exciting was it when we realized he was coming to CU?
3: I mean, it's he's very important to our team. There's no doubt about it. Um, Eddie won again, sticking with the theme of what we do here at CU. He's a great kid from a great family has had some, um, personal, you know, tribulations in his life with his brother, the last couple of years that, you know, have taken a toll on him, but he's coming to our, you know, fancy you family and with open arms and it's a great kid. But the biggest thing I think Eddie is going to bring to our group this year is he has has an edge about him. Like, he will talk crap. He'll play extremely hard. Like, he'll rebound his butt off. But he plays with this edge that just is infectious. And I think it's great for our group. Um, Having somebody out there that's constantly talking, almost to the point like a Draymond. Like, you guys know how Draymond is always talking? and Like, whoa, shut up. That's Eddie Lampkin a little bit. So, having a guy out there and then, you know, molding him into the Tristan da Silva that – by nature has come leaps and bounds, you know, leadership wise, but it's naturally a little bit quieter. Um, You know, blending those two guys together, I think is huge. So I think Eddie's going to have a big impact. I don't know how big, like some of the freshmen, it's hard to forecast everything, but I know um, we love Eddie Lampkin and the energy he brings and he's very important to our team.
1: Yeah. It seems like a perfect piece to bring in alongside some of the younger guys since he's a uh, think. Fifth year?
3: Is he a fifth year? we're yeah, definitely- all messed up with the COVID years, man. Like, yeah. that's the hardest part. Like, you <laughs> don't know how many years. I think Eddie has two left, but like, I don't know how long he's actually been <laughs> in college, but he has two years to play. But, you know, talk about a good teammate. Eddie came in and blended right away. Like, he had a connection with KJ and Javon Hadley, um, oddly enough. And like, through the recruiting process, they had known each other a little bit, but he came in and blended right away. I know he's tight with BD, one of our new freshmen. Cody loves him. Um, And he's come in and hasn't missed a beat, which when you bring in transfers in this day and age, I know that's the hardest part is like, how are they going to fit into the culture to the locker room? And that's something we talk about all the time as a staff when we're evaluating those things. And, you know, Eddie's been a home run in that sense. It's also going to be really exciting
1: for him. I'm sure to see uh, coach prime open up against his, his uh former school
0: oh, <laughs> football he's season. He's ready for
3: that. He's been if you follow Eddie on Instagram, like he doesn't he's not shy about posting. So he had, <laughs> he's all fired up about that. Love it.
0: Love it. Um I think this is gonna be the last question on the on go about the twenty twenty four season. Um but are there any players that jump off the page to you that really developed over the summer in terms of developing their skill sets or even just developing as a leader? Um, So for any of those veterans, and even we'll we'll include the redshirt freshmen as well, just the returning players, is there anyone that's kind of impressed you in their
3: development? Yeah, uh, Luke O'Brien and Julian Hammond. I think they are the X factors for our group. Um, Luke played great towards the end of last year when Tristan was hobbled a little bit with the ankle, had the big game against Washington in the Pac-12 tournament, and then, you know, we are – when Julian plays well, like we're pretty hard to be. So I think Jew and Luke have both had big summers. Again, local guys, they've been in the weight room all summer with Steve. Luke is, you know, going back and forth between Littleton and Boulder, spending more time in Boulder than in Littleton, which is great. Um, but both of those two guys, they are key to our success and they've really taken it on their shoulders this year as two older guys, Julian being a junior and Luke being a senior of okay, I've, you know, gone through Luke, especially, you know, didn't play his freshman year, up and down his sophomore year, a little up and down last year, but ha- finished really, really strong towards the end of last year. And then, you know, now coming in is like, OK, I know I'm going to play. I'm going to have a big role on this team. It's what can my impact be and just buy into those little things and make Luke O'Brien good. So those two guys have had big summers. I'm especially looking forward to them. Yeah. Jake and I are
1: South Denver guys. So we love to see our South yeah. Denver preps do well at CU. So both no uh, Luke, Luke and Julian, definitely uh, easy to root for, for us.
3: Yeah. No, no question. And then one last guy to mention, like he's been, he left uh, like middle of July. So it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen him, but Javon Hadley is a tank right now. Like he came back after the school year. in such good shape. Like he looks physically bigger. He's playing extremely hard. Just like, Javon does an energy guy shooting the ball. Well, so those three guys like are X factors for our team and they've had big summer. So I'm looking forward to them this fall. Yeah.
2: So just pivoting a little bit um, back, kind of looking back at the past that our favorite moments of CU basketball. Yeah. Um, you kind of accidentally preempted this question because you gave us your favorite um, <laughs> CU basketball moment already. What's your second favorite? CU basketball moment. If you can't pick uh, the, you can't pick the CU Kansas buzzer. Yeah, no, I would
3: say CU Kansas is an easy <laughs> one. Like
2: that's <laughs> a much it's harder. Like, it's a much harder.
3: Yeah, much harder question now. Much harder question. I think <laughs> um, my second favorite moment, Colorado basketball wise, would be. Uh, I, I think it's actually as a coach, honestly. Well, two two moments against Arizona, the. I think Valentine's Day massacre is what we called it, like when we beat Arizona, <laughs> yeah. I, was I think that's what they called it when I was in college. And then I reflect, I've reflected on this a lot. Evan Baddy's coming to my wedding this weekend, so like just thinking about to when we beat Arizona a couple years ago, and like Evan on the scores table, like uh, I'm gonna hang that picture in my house someday. i might have Evan sign it and hang that picture in my house. So I think those two would be like the top moments against Arizona that behind Kansas, but you can't top the KU and ski shot. So
2: yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I remember storming the storming the court for the, for Evan Batty's game where he stood on the scorers table and it, it was magical. It was unbelievable. It was insane.
3: Yeah. And then you have moments, like smaller moments, like you, those are two that stick out off the top of like smaller moments, like from coach, like beating Tennessee and, uh Nashville this last year, even though we're up and down, like the grit that our guys showed to go into that building and beat Tennessee in Nashville was huge. And then you have you know games like when I was in college, um, the excuse me the uh, Auburn game, the Midnight Madness game, where we played at like eleven p.m. and like Mm -hmm. beat the brakes off. And those are moments that stuck out. Like just there's so many different little ones, but I think the Kansas one straight away, and then some of those Arizona moments are you know one, two, three for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's, that's a great list. I mean, I think – I don't think you were there for this, but maybe Stray, Jake, you remember when CU beat Dayton? Yeah, the, I wasn't uh, there. Oh, yeah. I had track on our away. TBT team, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shot, uh,
3: against Dayton was a big one. Uh, yeah, Deshaun that, Schwartz, that was amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, I, 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 Deshaun, I, ran, I used to be friends with – Deshaun Schwartz was in one of my business classes. He's really sick. He's really nice. He did, man. Great. Yeah, he was – Deshaun <laughs> tracks and check him out. He's, yeah. <laughs>
3: That's right. He's going to play in Pro A France this year, so big time step up for him. So he should have a good year. Definitely.
2: Yeah.
3: Zach, what was what was your memory of the the last Pac twelve championship run in twenty twelve? That was your freshman year, right? Yeah, I remember. I was no, I was a senior in high school actually. So still in high school, senior in high school. So I missed the year. Coach Bowles' first year was when we were still in the Big Twelve. They got snubbed because we had beaten Texas or Kansas. I think Texas three times that year. I can't remember. Maybe my Kansas name. State. It was Kansas, Kansas State. I think yeah. Kansas State three times that year. Beat Texas, though, too, at home. Because I know yep. we were down big and Dre had a big dunk. Um, they got snubbed from the tournament that year, heartbreaking. And then the next year was the Pac-12 tournament one. But I remember sitting on my couch downstairs in Berkeley, Colorado, and watching this run and just like, oh, my God, they're going to win again. They're going to win again. And Carlin Brown and Nate Tomlinson, Austin Dufault, all those dudes leading the way with the young guys of – you know, Andre Roberson being a sophomore, Spencer Dinwiddie, a of booker as freshman, and just that whole run in that group of to have the fortitude and the capacity to go in there and win four games and four nights in Los Angeles and, like, just believing and staying together, I think, speaks a lot to the culture that Coach Boyle's built um, and what Colorado basketball is all about, like, I think that team speaks for a lot of it. And the coolest part is all those guys are still very much a part of the program. Like they're all coming back. Most of them are all coming back for our reunion against Nebraska in February and still very important and support CU basketball. So I think the family aspect adds to that as well. That was just such an amazing run. It was just such an amazing (laughs) run. Uh,
1: (laughs) <laughs> I mean, uh, just j- I got to talk about this, too, man. Like for me, that was my second semester of senior year. So I was yeah. wrapping up my time at CU and the the memory of the collective entire campus going down to Albuquerque to watch that first round and second round game against UNLV and Baylor was just incredible because it's such a short drive, even for a 11. I think we were an 11 seed or a 12 seed. But it's yeah. such a short drive. The whole campus went down. It was such an amazing time. I, I can't wait for that vibe to come back.
3: Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think that
1: that's one of the things going back to the Big 12 buys us.
3: Yeah. yeah. A lot more road trips. Yeah. I'm glad we don't see Brady Heslip anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. But, yeah, I'm excited for the Big 12 for sure. All
2: right. This might be the hardest question of the entire podcast. Yep. Um, but I think you have to answer it. Um, from from your entire time at CU, I, I want to hear what your starting five would be. If you need to win a game.
3: If they had to play when I was there, or like the past their, Coach Boyle era, just when you were there, just when I they, was. There. Did you watch? Yeah. So Derek, don't take offense. You weren't technically there when I was there. It was your <laughs> So D White, don't take offense. But my all-time <laughs> starting five at CU, you got to have Spencer at the one. Gotta have Spence at the mm-hmm. one. Josh Scott is at the five. Um, I'm going to take. I'm gonna take. Uh, just because I got Josh at the five, I'm gonna give you six. Evan Batty is my six <laughs> man off the bench. He's my backup five. Okay. And then I'm gonna have Tristan De Silva at the four. I'm gonna have uh a Booker at the two. Ski's electric. Can't play without Ski. And then. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have George King at the three GK at the three, like talk about a dude that developed over his four years. Like love that dude worked his tail off was in the gym every day. George turned into a really, really good player. So uh, Spence at the one ski at the two George at the three Tristan at the four uh, Josh Scott at the five. And then Ev is coming off the bench right behind Josh. We get a little um, thunder and lightning because Ev can shoot it. And Josh is more inside.
2: Love it. That's that's a tough team.
3: You know, George King had one of my favorite memories,
1: too. That buzzer beater to tie it at the end of overtime against Washington State. Was that 2015 or 2016? 2016, maybe? That was amazing. I think it was my senior year. year. I think you're right.
3: I think it was my senior year.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was was such a great moment because it was just it was deflating until that point. Like, oh, no, we're going to blow our tournament bid. And then hero George King coming in. Oh, that was amazing. It was so fun.
2: George King is my hero because one time I handed him the ball back in warm-ups, and he said, thank you, and he shook my hand.
3: <laughs> wow, look at you. <laughs> G.K. is an unbelievable dude. He's like, G.K. could come on this podcast right now and just hang out and be cool. Like, that's the type of dude he is. Um, he's actually in town right now. It was great to have him with us at TBT, even though he couldn't play. But unbelievable dude has made – Um, a career out of just hard work, like coming into college, C was his only major scholarship offer was going to go play in the big sky and then turn himself into a pro. So, you know, all the respect for GK.
0: Speaking of TBT, I think that's a good transition. Zach just wanted to to pick your brain on the TBT team and, just to recap again for the listeners, you were the assistant coach of the 2019 team, correct? And then yep. slated to be the head coach for the 2021 team, and then that was canceled, right, due to COVID? Yeah. My timeline right here. Yeah, And then you were the head coach for the team in 2023. But what what is that like, connecting with old players and, and coaching them? Just take us through um, being the
3: head coach of the TBT team. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is, one i'm extremely glad we got it back off the ground because bringing it back after 4 years was extremely hard it's like we are starting from like ground zero again like you're starting it fresh because you have all this momentum doing it in you know 2016 17 18 19 and It's year after year after year and then covid just kind of stops everything right so all the momentum you've built kind of has to restart so Saying that first, like, I'm really thankful that we got it back off the ground. It was a ton of work and it was hard to get it back off the ground. But the experience that we had, even though it was not what I necessarily expected going in and not what we wanted, I would do it 100 out of 100 times because getting those guys back together is what it's all about. Yes, we want to win the money. Yes, we are going to continue to get better. Yes, we're going to try it. Yes, we are going to do it again next year. But getting these guys back together, I posted a picture on Twitter of us at Outback Steakhouse after we lost. And those guys hanging out and getting together is what it's all about. Like Jariah Horn had never met George King and never met Dom Collier. And now those guys are tight and are talking about, oh, when are we going to get back to Denver and hang out? Like that's what it's all about. And that's why you know, it's so important for coach Boyle to want to bring it back and us to make sure it happens and all of that stuff. So it was a ton of work, but I'm really thankful we got it off the ground. And I think the best days are ahead for team Colorado and TBT. That sounds
1: kind of like how we started this podcast guys, except we're not <laughs> as talented.
3: <laughs> I was not ready for all the work that it was going to be to bring it back, especially like we thought I have a wedding in four days from now. So all of the prep work started way back in like December and getting these guys on board and changing the logo and getting us accepted and raising the money like it is a it is a huge process so I'm thankful to Josh repine and Remy Martyr that helped me a little bit with it but I'm really really thankful that we got it off the ground now and people are excited about it so we can keep it rolling in the future yeah so really and,
0: really quick just a quick follow-up you mentioned yeah. uh um Just all these former players that didn't play together in the same room. I think I saw on Twitter, and correct me if this is wrong, but it looked like the TBT guys were at Tad's place for some sort of cookout with the current players. Yeah, How how was that with them connecting with the current players
3: and offering advice to those players? Again, that's why we do TBT, right? Like Coach Boyle was gracious enough to have us over to his home and um, be able to interact with some of our current guys. Like a lot of it's storytelling and, you know, reminiscing, which some of those current guys and young dudes don't have any idea of anything right now. Like they haven't been through the battles. They haven't been through that, but just getting them to hear some of that and getting them to hear from a player's perspective, because I can sell them all the time. Like if I'm talking to Cody Williams or I'm talking to a song, like, dude, it means so much to be a buff. Like it means this, but then to hear it from, an Evan Batty from a Richard Robey, who's all time leading scorer in Colorado history to uh, Xavier Johnson, like all of those different guys to hear it from that perspective, I think is so powerful. And I think is why, you know, winning a side TBT is so important because it's a built-in reunion to get these current guys around the older guys.
2: Yeah. And it kind of building off those older guys that like played when you were a student manager, now you're their coach. Like yeah. I, for me, I I played lacrosse in high school, and then I went back and I coached like two years after I graduated, and I coached some of the same guys that I was like friends with. How do you manage those relationships? Um, now they've kind of changed, and you're their coach, no longer their their, their friend. In some, way. Yeah. I,
3: I think two ways. I think, um, one going in and understanding that all of these guys are professional basketball players, and they're not 17, 18, 19 year old kids anymore, Like They've been through some stuff. They've seen some different stuff overseas. And then second, you know, the approach that I took right, wrong, or indifferent is, was that I wanted it collaborative. Like we're all in this together. Like I'm the head coach, but if we don't do this, unless y'all go out and play. So it's a very collaborative effort. Like I have a framework in mind, kind of what I want to do, but that's going to change based on how we're flowing and how we're connecting and all of that stuff. So um, but I think on the other level, it's very important to have a good relationship with those guys. Like the guys that I was here with, just looking at the roster, a Sean Fletcher, a George King and a Xavier Johnson. I coached Evan. I didn't know, I, you know, knew Deshaun and Jariah fairly well, but hadn't spent a lot of time with them. So spending more time with them is great. Uh, Dom was when, here when I was here. Shannon was before all of us. Uh, Shane Gatling was a guy that I completely missed. So getting to know Shane. So it was, molding all of those different relationships together to come together is the hardest part about tbt and i think i learned a lot through the process and will continue to get better from it but um, overall even though we had a heartbreaker and didn't end how we wanted to was excess year one well zach
1: it's been a pleasure thanks again for for all the insight that you've given us here on on your time at cu and on the team and we're all so so excited for this upcoming season and we just can't wait to see what you do
3: i appreciate you guys thanks for having me again i said this at the beginning but um this is what makes cu special having all alums on here talking about their passion about the buffs and i appreciate you guys doing this and i've listened to the podcast so excited to listen to more episodes and hear all your hot takes about us going to the big 12 and the football season coming up because I know it's going to be crazy that week <laughs> in Nebraska. So The hot takes will come. Chase isn't here
1: right now, but they'll mostly be from Chase. So just listen
0: to that. <laughs> You'll have someone on the pod
3: that'll do it, right?
0: Exactly. we to throw him under the bus since he's not here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Zach. Yep. Appreciate yeah. you. guys. So that, thank you for listening. Like always, please give us a rating on Apple and Spotify. We really appreciate it. Also hit hit that follow button as well. And if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, all the followers help. But thanks for listening. Still Buffs. Still buffs.